Good morning. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021. There is an insight to our Torah portion this week, the Parsha of Tetzaveh. It's very probable that you have heard this before. If you went to Jewish school, or even if you listened to rabbis speak over years, you're probably, you have probably heard this before. And it is that this week's Torah portion, the Parsha Tetzaveh, is the only Torah portion where Moshe's name is not mentioned. And the reason for that is given by one of the famous commentators, Balaturim. It's actually based on the Zohar, the main text of Jewish mysticism of Kabbalah. And the answer has to do with next week's Torah portion. Next week's Torah portion, the Parsha of Kisisa, is the Parsha where we have the terrible sin of the golden calf. And in that debacle, God says to Moshe, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, uh, that's enough. I'm, I, I, I'm not interested in, in trying to build the Jewish people from these people that right after I speak to them at Mount Sinai, they go and build a, a golden calf. I'm just going to wipe them out and start over. And Moshe says to God, if you are going to wipe out the Jewish people, Moshe says to God, I want you to take my name out also. I don't want to exist without the Jewish people. I would rather give up my place, not only my life, but my place within your Torah, if that's what you're planning to do. And the Balaturim says that eventually Moshe persuaded God to forgive the Jewish people, but Moshe's word to say, you know what, take me out of the book. Maybe Moshe said them a little bit in a cavalier fashion. You don't just say to God, take me out of your book. If God wants you in the book, you're in the book. If God wants you out of the book, you're out of the book. It's a little chutzpahdik for Moshe to say. And so God says to Moshe, you know what, Moshe, you think it's such a little thing? I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out from one Parsha. From one Parsha, the Parsha of Tetzaveh, your name will not be there. And it's just about a little a little mini punishment, a little shtach, that you are a little chutzpahdik to say, you know, take my name out if you're not willing to forgive the Jewish people. First of all, I don't mean to um, disappoint anybody, but uh, that is a very famous rabbinic statement. Many people have heard that. One little problem, and that is it's not the only parsha where Moshe's name is not mentioned. The parsha of Nitzavim also Moshe's name is not mentioned. Okay, that's a little bit of a technicality. But I want to share with you the insight, and I'm grateful to Rabbi J.J. Schachter for pointing me to these sources. Rabbi Gedalia Shor, a great and deep thinker of the mid-1900s, he asked the following question. How is it possible that Moshe going to bat for the Jewish people and willing to sacrifice himself if God will not forgive the Jewish people, how is it possible that there could be in any way some kind of criticism or punishment, even if it's so minor that his name is missing from one parsha? How is it possible Moshe is willing literally, literally 
to give his life and his name for the Jewish people? How is it possible for God to have a negative reaction to that? And so Rav, Rav Shur has a completely different explanation. And it's an explanation that just opens our eyes to a whole different way of looking at it. Our parsha begins with the words, Vi'ata titzave el espinei Yisrael. And you should command the children of Israel. What does the word ve'ata mean? Well, ata, you, is referring to Moshe. Even though Moshe's name is not mentioned, but the ata, who is God speaking to? God is speaking to Moshe. So, even though the Parsha does not have Moshe's name, Mem, Shin, Hey, but it's certainly God is speaking to Moshe. What is the first letter? Vav, and. It's a conjunction. Sometimes a conjunction, Vav, means it continues with what happened before. But listen to what Rav Shor says. In this Pasuk, Ve'ata, and you should command the Jewish people means Ani ve'ata, I, God, and you, Moshe, together we're going to command the Jewish people. You know, a person's name is an essential part of their identity. Moshe is known to us as his name, Moshe. A person's name carries with it a certain image, a certain background, a certain character. God referred to Moshe without using his name. Ve'ata, you and I, no names. In order to indicate that God in this Pasuk is referring to Moshe without any divisions, without anything getting in the way, even Moshe's own identity. The Atta Titzava indicates that God achieved with Moshe a seamless integration. Nothing separated Moshe from God at that moment. It was not a punishment. On the contrary, this was a reward for what Moshe was willing to do concerning the sin of the golden calf. Moshe is willing to sacrifice himself and for his name to be removed from the Torah, God forbid, in order to go to bat to represent and to defend the Jewish people. God says, as a reward for that, I'm going to refer to you here as Ve'ata, you and me. No names, no barriers, nothing between us. Just complete connection. Just to put it in human terms, very often, not always, but very often, a married couple who loves each other, very often will not refer to each other by their formal name. They'll have a nickname, a term of endearment, not so often that a person, maybe sometimes if you're upset, 
if, so, if I hear Michael, <laughs> it means I've done something wrong. But usually uh, some term of endearment because the name, it's a, it's a barrier to complete connection. Moshe gave his life and wanted to give his name to protect and defend the Jewish people. And God remembers it and allows him to merit this moment, you and me, Moshe, we are one in bringing these laws to the Jewish people. Vi'ata is the greatest reward that could be for Moshe's defense of the Jewish people. Moshe is at this moment above any name, beyond any name, closer to God than any name could indicate. Viata Tetzava, the beginning of our Parsha, is the most powerful intimacy. And that is when there is no name. I think that we can all strive for this. To not be external to God, but to be somehow intrinsically connected to God. But I'll just have to say, speaking for myself, I'm not sure that it is realistic for me. I'm not going to say anything about you. Maybe for you, yes. I just don't see it as realistic for me. But what I can do, I can try to borrow this concept when I speak with others. Or rather, when I listen with others. So here's an experience that I have. Maybe you have a similar experience. Sometimes I get a phone call. And the first question the person asks is, do you know who I am? Do you see my name on the caller ID? Is my confidentiality protected in this phone call? So I tell them whatever the truth is. And then they may say to me, is it okay if I do not tell you my name? And I say, sure. Because clearly when a person opens the conversation in that way, that means that there's something that is very, very disturbing, very, very upsetting, perhaps shameful. There's something that they need to protect their identity and their confidentiality. And they may be distraught when they call in that manner. And I certainly don't want to add to that. I want to try to provide a safe place for people to be able to open up, to say whatever they need to say and to know that it is protected. And I say, sure, because all I want to do is to help someone who calls. But the truth is, it's harder for me. It's harder for me to try to listen to a person, or to try to help a person, and I can't even put a face or even a name together with that person. It's as if it's out of context. And of course, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I've had a lot of experiences, of course. I do have to, in the back of my mind, keep in mind that I could be being tricked. Someone could be recording my words to use them out of context for some negative purpose, and that has happened before. So I have to be careful what I say 
when I'm speaking to someone that I don't know and that is not willing to identify themselves. But I listen. And it's a very rare experience because I connect just to the voice. There's no name. There's no identity. There's no preconceived notion. There's no prior knowledge. It's really just the voice. It's really just the most distilled essence of the person without anything else coming in between. The job of the listener, one scholar once wrote, is to see the infinite in everyone. That's not always possible. But in this kind of a situation where I have no other connection than the voice that I'm hearing, than the essence of the person that I'm listening to, not even a name, not even an image, just the voice, just the person themselves. All I can do at that moment is to try to facilitate a moment of authenticity, to see the infinite within them and to fully embrace the totality of their being. One philosopher who wrote about this is Martin Buber. And he writes in such a situation, our I, that is our truest self, even before it gets a name, feels responsible for and called upon by the you before us. There can be no expectations of gain, no anticipatory purpose, no greed, no judgment, no multiplicity. Only, in Buber's words, the electricity of God surging between us. Our Parsha, the Parsha of Tetzaveh, is the Parsha that embodies the you of Moshe, the Atta, totally transcended essence connected with God, the Atta, you and me. And reminds all of us that we too have an I or a you that comes before any name, before any barrier, a part of us that is untouchable and that is embraceable, even if not fully comprehensible. But that's the part of us that God is always talking to. We should try to reach that with God. But more realistically, we should try to reach it with each other, to speak and to listen in those moments where there are no barriers, where there is only the electricity of God surging 
between me and you. My friends, I wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.